Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, talking some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Going to get inside the USC football program. Sort of a slow time as far as the team goes, but there's been a lot of kind of action around the program. We're going to talk about the conclusion of the Todd McNair trial, uh, Jack Jones, USC's starting quarterback from last year, being academically ineligible, as we reported first. Talk about that and answer some more of your questions you've sent in this past week. If you have any more questions, comments, any kind of uh, input you want to give to the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email. Or you can call or text to 424 254 9141. That's 424-254-9141. We'd love to get your texts, your voicemails, your emails, and we'd love to talk all about it here on the show. And of course, we'd love to talk about it with the coach, Harvey Hyde. What is up, coach? How you doing? Well, Ryan, everything's good. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, are wondering what happened uh, with the McNair trial. I'm sort of wondering too what happened. But uh, as time goes by, we'll probably find out more about it. Uh, A long process and probably for Todd, a very disappointing uh, result. And for his attorneys, a very disappointing result. And uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. The NCAA rules are so complicated. And I had the opportunity of working with them so many times, not on on infractions, but on interpretations of rules. When you try to get an interpretation of a rule, you may call one uh, office and get it, uh, an interpretation and call another office or call back to have that repeated to your athletic director so he could hear it. And uh, it was a different interpretation. So, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. Uh, I feel bad for him. Uh, uh, but again, you got to move on, and now he's got to move on with his life. He certainly does, and uh, we're going to talk about that first up after we uh, thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything, a sporting event. Here in L.A. or across the country, if you want to go to a play, you want to go to a musical, uh, you want to go to a concert, you can do all of that at sctickets.com. Tell Curtis that Harvey Hyde sent you. And they'll take care of you like they've been taking care of us for many, many years. And uh, yeah, so we're so as far as the Todd McNair defamation suit against the NCAA, I've got one question we'll read. I'll give a few comments. I'll let Coach Harvey Hyde give a few comments. We're going to do a full show, uh, likely with just Keely Yor and Dan Weber. They've been down there every day of the trial. So if you don't know, it's been going on for over a month. Um, I talked to Keely last night and she was like, I had this routine going, you were, you know, down at the courtroom every day. It's like, now you're going to wake up and want to go into the courtroom. So they've been doing that uh, for quite a, you know, quite a while. Uh, we have tons of coverage up. We have a Todd McNair, um, central page. So every day there was ghost notes from Dan Weber on the peristyle. There was an instant analysis video analyzing what went on during the day. Dan wrote a lot of columns. Keeley put up a lot of video of closing arguments and other interesting aspects of the trial. She was actually the pool video reporter for all of the media that were there. So no one covered this trial like us at uscfootball.com. So we have a page up on uscfootball.com. You can see everything if you missed anything, and there'll be some more analysis. And like I said, they're going to do a podcast. Today's Tuesday. Likely they'll record it on Wednesday at some point. Um, and give a lot more in-depth analysis because they were there every second. So they know they know more about this than just about anybody. Um, so we'll get into all of that with them. There's a lot of questions you guys had sent in about the trial. Um, and Dan and Keely will do their best to, to get into it. But I wanted to read this one, Coach. This is from Jim B. And then we'll kind of get our thoughts and then we'll move on to the other the other um, news at the news of the day. Jim B said. They probably should change the court laws in the in this country. It seems that 
This was an open and shut case. When you come down to the bottom line, you had a big organization slandering one single individual and thinking they could get away with it. And you know what? They were right. You had a big organization operating on the principle of the ends justify the means. The ends were to get USC. The means were to lie, cheat, whatever it takes, even if it means believing a convicted felon over a responsible citizen. Lake was probably their key witness, and yet they couldn't even call him to testify because it wouldn't look good, and nobody would believe him anyway. The NCAA is like two uh, guys driving a big steamroller and flattening everything that gets in their way. And when they run over somebody, they just look back, and one guy says to the other, collateral damage. The NCAA is a corrupt organization. They're a bunch of con artists. The large amount of uh, circumstantial evidence should have made this a slam dunk case. Uh, they couldn't convict them with all that evidence. And the court rules need to be changed. I feel sorry for McNair. They slandered his reputation and got away with it. He'll just have to live with it. Not to mention with uh, what a legal, the legal fees he may have to pay. I want to thank Dan Weber and Keely Yor for an awesome job they did covering the case. Thanks again. Jim B. And uh, Jim, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to argue with what you said. I'll, I'll give a response and then Harvey Hyde chime in. So I wasn't there the whole time like those guys were, but I followed everything they were saying. My understanding was, I mean, a couple problems here. Um, one, Dan mentioned a lot that the jury wasn't all that familiar with the NCAA. So uh, I think Coach Harvey Hyde will talk about this, but, you know, jury selection is always important. Um, you know, it turns out the, uh, preside, you know, the, the jury foreman end up being, he's a lawyer, uh, had played college sports. Um, he knows this pretty well. And it, from, you know, hearing what he had to say, it sounds like they really wanted to get the, they wanted to convict the NCAA, but the way the case was presented, the, the rules that they had to follow, they weren't able to do it. Defamation for a public figure, which they declared Todd McNair to be. It's very difficult to prove. I think there was only a couple of cases over the past like 30 years that were able to successfully do this, like Carol Burnett versus uh, the National Enquirer or something like that. I mean, it's kind of crazy the burden of proof you have to do. So there were other, um, not that's not charges because it's not a criminal case. There were other, uh, uh, I, I, I forget what the term is for that, but there were other ways that Todd McNair could have sued um, other counts, I guess you could say. And for some reason, Todd McNair's lawyers did not go with those. Those would have been easier to prove. They probably wouldn't have been as lucrative. So it seems like the, their lawyers went with a go big or go home uh, for the defamation case where you could have got $27 million or whatever, um, something like that. So, But the, you know, the jurors that came out, I, I think even though they might not have known about the NCAA, I think they believed Todd McNair. Um, I think they felt he got screwed over. But what they were presented, they followed the rules to, you know, the rules and the and the um, instructions that were given by the judge. And they weren't able to get past that third question. There was like nine questions you had to get by, answer yes to all of them. They weren't able to get by that third one. So, uh, you know, the majority, nine to three, weren't able to find in favor of Todd McNair. They found in favor of the NCAA. I think when the foreman came out and said, the NCAA shouldn't take this as a win. We wanted to get them, but just the way it was presented, um, they couldn't do it. You know, the way the rules that they had to follow, they couldn't do it. And I think Dan's over, you know, Dan's mentioned this point a numerous times. He wishes that Todd McNair was treated as fairly as the NCAA was treated by a courtroom in Los Angeles. He was not, and it brought down him and it brought down USC. Um, and now, you know, the NCAA can kind of walk away from this. We'll see if anything else comes after that. But those are my kind of general thoughts. Sorry, it was a little bit long, Coach. Kind of get your thoughts on on what Jim's question was in the case. Uh, basically, Ryan, you said exactly what I'm going to say. I'll say it maybe in a different way. I think there are a lot of losers in this. Uh, what I mean, I think that, of course, Todd McNair lost. I think that the USC lost because I think that really there was a point there that there's no question in my mind they wanted to bring USC down. They were so dominant. And the person that chaired the committee that did the investigation was uh, a different type of cat. And I think he wanted in some way, uh, I'm not going to say, I, I don't know this, but I felt as though he, in my knowing of and hearing of the uh, case, that uh, he was that type of individual. Yet he had a background where he's been through it all himself at the University of Miami. 
I think, too, also in the selection of the jury. Uh, I know people don't like to serve on these uh, type of cases, but they last so long. But I think you have to have a complete understanding of what coaching is and what you have to do to survive and how you are, yes, a public uh, person, but again, you're dealing with young people and you have to understand the whole circumstances of the NCAA. But they are a big, powerful, not uh, just a powerful group of people. They are a fraternity that sticks very close together. They're on a lot of committees together. They operate as far as a independent uh, part of college or collegiate athletics. And one of their big statements were, and they always told Jerry Tarkini in his suit, hey, if you don't want to be a part of the NCAA, don't join us because you're joined our rules and regulations, and this is what we do. And if you don't want to be a part of it, don't be a part of it. That's why there's been a lot of thought at times for the formation of a new type of organization to administer college athletics, especially in the big level. So I think there was a lot of losers. I think the attorneys for Todd McNair lost a lot. I'm sure they took it on a contingency. So they spent many, many hours as far as working on this case, and they lost. And I think that um, it, it, I don't know just how the case was tried, but I definitely feel as though that uh, Todd uh, didn't really uh, have maybe uh, all the opportunities to state or do or whatever his uh, case. But again, it's the, the way you present it. It's called a game plan. You win some, you lose some, and sometimes the best team doesn't always win. So I look at that. I just remember the Tarkinian case very clearly because I was a part of Jerry Tarkinian at UNLV as far as being the football coach and him being the basketball coach. And clearly they come, they came after him. They followed him no matter where he was, whether he was at Long Beach State or whether he was at Fresno State or at UNLV. He wasn't supposed to win at UNLV and win the national championship at UNLV. Yet Jerry Tarkinian took it to the highest, the Supreme Court, uh, he did win his suit. He picked up $2.5 million against the NCAA. And at that time, that was a lot of money. And he went all the way to the Supreme Court. And as Tark explained it the best, he lost in overtime 5-4. So, uh, you know, it's a very difficult thing. But Tark was a fighter. And he had a case. And uh, he felt that they were after him, and he tried to prove that. He did against the NCAA, and he wanted to go farther to the Supreme Court and lost that because they said he didn't have to be a part of that organization, that you elect to be a part of the NCAA. You don't have to be a part of the NCAA. So there's a lot of things in there that we don't know or we don't understand. Uh, all I know is what I remember from the Tarkanian case. I try to think about it and compare it now to the Todd McNair case. It's a difficult thing to do. It is. To it's win. Yeah, it's definitely difficult to win. Um, and, and schools have this opportunity to, if they don't want to be part of it, they don't have to be. And I think we're going to get to that point, Coach, at some point. Um, we'll, we'll be a point where they, they just circumvent the NCAA, and I think we get closer and closer to that every year. I'm curious to see. I know some people ask about what it means for USC. I think the positive is there were mistakes made uh the NCAA, I mean the NCAA admitted as much during the trial um you know and, and so I think for USC and and the people wanted to get the NCAA I think if you're USC and you wanted to do something like hey man you guys really screwed this investigation up um what can we get you know what can we do here I don't think USC is going to do anything like that um I think a lot of people just were like want to be done with it and move on they've been doing that you know from the beginning it's been seven years in the making for this trial and then, uh, you know, like five weeks uh, of sitting through it. So I think there's there's a, you know, if you're someone that wants USC to kind of stand up to the NCAA, stuff that you saw in the trial, all the emails and all that kind of stuff, I think that gives you ammunition. I, I just don't really think USC is going to do anything. Um, will they ask for Reggie Bush to be reinstated or anything like that? I kind of doubt it. I think they should. But I don't think something like that's going to happen, Coach. I agree with you. I think they'll let it go. But I think they should, as far as uh, stick up for Trojans, and I think he should be reinstated. I don't think he should have ever been denied the opportunity uh, to, uh, well, 
send his Heisman Trophy back and things like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, to give in at that point and to give in those type of things, uh, I would have said, if you come on our campus or break in my house to take that trophy, I'll have you arrested. Uh, these are the type of things that they use their power, and you try to follow what what they think will you'll win points with by by doing, oh, we're going to do this because they asked us to do this, or we're going to do that. But it doesn't work. Just doesn't work. It's a, it's a funny organization, and uh, the people that make it up, uh, you know, don't always know the the whole story. None of them, a lot of them, have never been in the uh, in the on the coaching level or work with kids. They've been administrators or they have doctorate degrees. It means they're smart or or whatever. But common sense is the number one thing of knowing really what happens in a program and the families and these kids and what it means to them and the opportunity of going to college and and uh, using their skills to get a, a degree and also the opportunity of, of mingling them of, uh, around people, student athletes and people from different cultures and learn so much that a lot of times they don't think about the big picture. They just look at their rule book and travel to Carmel by the sea and play golf and and make sure that they don't, they don't upset their other fraternity members, so they make sure they get selected to all of these committees. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of favoritism in that, and I don't care. That's my opinion. I'm just giving you my opinion. And I think that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, they're going to support their peers. Yes, they certainly will. Uh, we'll see. This is gonna, there's going to be complaints about the NCAA till the end of the NCAA, which... Who knows? Maybe it'll come in the next few years. Maybe it's a decade from now, but I think it's going down at some point. Um, we'll have to see how if that happens. Okay, uh, so full. if you want more on the Todd McNair trial, a lot more people that were actually there um, with maybe a special guest I'm hearing. So check out uh, our Wednesday show. It should come out tomorrow at some point. But let's talk about um, some USC team news. So back on Friday, we put out the war room saying – Guess what? <laughs> uh, Jack Jones, who's you know was USC starting cornerback uh, from last year, um, didn't uh, participate in spring football. He is likely going to be academically ineligible, and that's what ended up happening. Um, we do have a a voicemail coach, and we had a, a a text message too about it. But wanted to get your thoughts on Jack Jones. Here's the voicemail first. Hi, this is Richard from Toluca Lake. Uh, this is for either uh, the coach or Dan Weber or for Ryan. Uh, I just saw where Jack Jones is ineligible for the entire 2018 season. Uh, honestly, please, someone tell me, how is that possible when you have the administration, the athletic department, the football program, and supposedly your athletic director, Lynn Swan, who, in my opinion, has done a horrible job. How does this happen that somebody can become ineligible and nobody was monitoring? I know Jack Jones is probably at fault. He's probably lazy for this stuff, but uh, I'd like an insight if you could. I appreciate it. Enjoy the show very much. Thanks a lot, and fight on. Well, Richard, uh, let me tell you, it's not easy to be ineligible, especially today when you have so many uh, people uh, – Dr. Maggie Al-Shawahi and his assistants that work so closely with each student athlete with their guidance and opportunities that they have. First of all, you have to want to be eligible. You have to want to uh, follow the rules and guidelines. And I'm not telling you uh, that uh, Jack Jones doesn't have that uh, desire, but uh, you've got to be able to work hard off the field as well as on the field. You have to be able to be disciplined enough to take advantage of the things that surround you to make sure you're uh, successfully academically. Now, I'm not saying he did or he didn't because I'm not there to know, but I'm saying it wasn't like the university wanted him to be ineligible. He obviously had the smarts to get in the university or he never would have been admitted. I think that you have to want to win on the field and off the field. And I think holding them out of spring practice, as we discussed last week, was a smart thing to do because he's going to be taking turns there with the first unit, and then now he wouldn't have been eligible. 
and he should donate all his time to the academic side of being eligible. He had a spring and he had the summer to get himself eligible. So all that does is tell me he had to be down pretty far as far as academically, as far as in the fall semester. And he didn't make the effort in the spring to uh, make it possible for him to be eligible. Now he has some choices. He has some choices that he can go back. And I don't know if that means he's been dropped out of school or not. I don't know any of that. He could go to a community college, uh, repeat some of those classes, erase the Fs or Ds or whatever they are, and make them Bs and Cs and As, and then reapply and come back with he has uh, five years uh, to play for, and or he can uh, uh, forget it. But I'll tell you, I hate to see a guy lose uh, all of what he has there in his hands because of just being not very uh, aggressive in the classroom. Uh, you have to make progress towards your degree. You have to take certain courses. It's not that you can just take whatever elective you want today. You have to take certain courses towards a curriculum. That's why you see these kids graduating now in three years. You can't graduate from college in three years unless you're taking a real true advantage of the system that they have for you. And that's why you see so many student athletes, including football players, graduating in three years and getting their MBA degrees. Now they're taking advantage of what they're offered. Some kids choose not to take advantage of them. Some kids just don't like school. But they have to learn that's what college is all about. There are a lot of roadblocks in college that you have to get through in order to get that degree. That's why that, why that degree means so much. So Jack somehow uh, went down the wrong hallway here, and uh, he has a chance to uh, clean it up, uh, or I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he could transfer because, uh, you know, other universities have entrance requirements too. And if you don't have the grade point to stay at USC, you may not have the grade point to be admitted to another university. Now, he's played two years, so he isn't going to be able to be eligible at a junior college. He could drop down, and maybe there is some school that would take him. I'm not saying they wouldn't. I don't know what his academic situation is. But I suggest he makes those grades up, tries to come back to USC, sits out a year, because it'll just count as his redshirt year and he'd still have two years eligible eligibility. So that's the story. I don't know the academic side of it. I know that USC has everything in place for you to be successful, but it obviously shows. Yeah, and okay, so when stuff like this happens, I was I was out of town this weekend, um, had a little golf trip to Arizona, and you know, we heard that stuff was gonna happen late last week and you know, we like we said, put it out in the war room and stuff. Um you know, we'll we'll make some calls, and sometimes you'll get different stories. If someone, if you have a source on maybe the USC side, they might have one story. You might get a source on the, you know, from the kids' family or high school or something. You might get a little bit of a different story. I haven't dug into this yet. I know some of the people on my staff have, but I have not. So I'm just going to give you like my opinion. I get when people you want to. I, I mean, to blame Lynn Swan for this, I don't get that at all. Um, there are systems in place. I don't think they're perfect systems, but they're definitely workable systems. And like coach Harvey Hyde said, it's one of those, you can lead a horse to water. Uh, you can't make him drink. And I think in this case, my gut feeling is this is more on Jack Jones than anything else. And it's not, you know, my guess would be not completely academics. It's about your attitude, and if you're not really happy with this, you're not going to try hard at that. I think there's probably more factors into it, but to not blame, I don't think it's he wasn't monitored or there wasn't systems in place. Um, and, you know, being out for the spring should give you plenty of opportunities to get right. You know, there it was addressed. You know, he was held out of the spring, uh, and now he's out for, uh, for the 2018 season as well. Um, I think USC did stuff uh, to try to make this better. And, you know, a lot of it's on Jack Jones. And and just what I would see Jack Jones around in the spring, I would see stuff on social media. You'd see him around. It was like this happy ego. Like there wasn't this like, you never got the sense of, oh man, I, I'm ineligible. It's killing me not to be out there with my teammates. I'm grinding. I'm making sure I'm back. 
I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that sense at all. Now, just to be fair, I was, I'm not around the kid all the time. When I saw him, I didn't see that ever. So my guess would be this is going to be more on, on – I would put it on more on Jack Jones' shoulders than anyone else. Just my gut feeling, my take from everything I've seen – um, I'll, you know, we'll, I'll make some calls and, and see what I can find out. Maybe there's, there's, you know, there's certainly more going on here, but my gut feeling on this one, coach is this one's, and I, I, you know, defend players all the time, uh, can be, be very critical of the administration and the coaches. I'm not putting this one on the coaches, and the administration. No, I'm not either because it's all there. I mean, I talk to Maggie all the time. I've had him on my shows. I mean, uh, the uh, rates of graduation is, is higher than they've ever been, and guys aren't taking advantage of it. And uh, like you said, uh, it's their fault. But, again, I worry about Jack Jones, as I do every player I've had that dropped out of school because of the same type of reason, because I don't want to see him ruin his life. I want to see him uh, see the big picture and, and miss what he's missing and find a way to get back into a situation where he can utilize his great athletic ability and, and make something of himself and, and be someone and be proud. I think he needs a contact or the high school coaches uh, who worked with him have got to reach out to him. Former players that played at Paul, he's got to reach out to him. I think he needs some real support around him. And he's got to, if he is around people who do not go to class or if he's around people that aren't the best type of influence to him, I think sometimes it's best to uh, uh, tell him that for his own good, because uh, you want to make sure you give him all the support he can get. And uh, that way you feel good about uh, you making uh, your promise or commitment to him. If he was to come to the university of Southern California to his mother, father, grandmother, whoever loves him so much to put him in that position to be there in the first place. We also got a text question. Um, it was from B in the Bay. He says, Jack Jones out for 2018. Net positive? What do you think about that, Coach? No, I understand what he's saying there. He's saying, you know, Jack as a freshman didn't have some uh, great year. I think as a sophomore, I think he improved a lot. I really do. Uh, in fact, now I don't know this stat. I'm just throwing it off the top of my head. But he may have been, uh, he may have led the Pac-12 in interceptions, number of interceptions. So I think he improved a lot. I really made, he became a much better football player as a sophomore, and I think he uh, he was the stronger of the two cornerbacks that played last year. I really believe that. Yet, uh, uh, I don't know where he went wrong or what happened. Uh, I know that, uh, as you said, he was a kid that, as a freshman, said, I'm going to win the Heisman Trophy, and he did this, and that. he thought very highly of his abilities, but, uh, you know, you can say things, but you got to work hard to accomplish things, and I think Maybe sometimes he's had things a little bit too easy in his life, being a successful, you know, great high school player and starting as a freshman and having a good sophomore year. That Sometimes you just think people are going to take care of things for you. And it doesn't just happen that way today. You just people can't not just take care of things for you. So uh, I just hope that he uh, recovers. And I think he would have been a starter this year. And if he'd have improved as much as he did from his freshman to sophomore year, I think he'd been a pretty good corner. In fact, I think he would have been the strongest corner that they had. So here's the uh, the kind of breakdown. Um, you know, we had heard some rumblings that things actually went a lot smoother with the DB drills in the spring without him there. So there was definitely some rumblings about that. Um, you know, potentially. Obviously, he's a talented kid. What you break it down on our scholarship distribution chart without Jack Jones, USC still has 10 cornerbacks. Um, so most likely you're going to see a Jenna Harris, uh, at nickel still, uh, Iman Marshall came back for a senior year. So he's still around. Uh, you, you see Isaiah Langley out there. He's got the potential to start. Same thing with Jonathan Lockett, who was, you know, going to be the starting nickel back. You know, ended up getting, you know, had the hip problems. He's back. He looked really good this spring, made a lot of plays. So, um, those are four seniors uh, at corner and nickel. Lockett can play nickel. I think you might have a nice rotation there. You could play guys at different spots. Um, now, they moved Dominic Davis uh, around and back. Um, so we'll see what he ends up doing. We, we had him on, on this chart uh, as defense, but you know, likely he's going to be back on offense. Um, 
but you still have Greg Johnson from last year, uh, Godfrey. Uh, they both redshirted. And then three people coming in. Chase Williams was there in the spring. I thought he looked pretty good. And then Elijah Griffin and Isaac Taylor Stewart. So there's not a lack of there's no lack of talent uh, for the cornerbacks. And you know you're probably going to have three guys with a nickel and then two you know two starters on the outside. But I I think they might rotate a little bit more. There's a lot of options there. So I don't the cupboard's certainly not bare without Jack Jones. And I think what the you know the texter was referring to, coaches, it did seem to go smoother. Now maybe it was like Ronnie Bradford changing things up and doing things a little bit differently. Maybe there's more pressure on some of the coaches after the way they finished the year last year. But certainly, uh, there you know some people think like, ah, eh, that's it, it, USC is going to be better off. It's always hard to think they're going to be better off with a talented guy not on the team. But um, they should have be able to recover from this fairly easily. Well, you know, you hope you can next man up, as they always say. People get tired of hearing that. But uh, it's not like USC hasn't recruited well in the secondary. I think everybody's name that you mentioned there is almost all four or five-star guys. Now, if they made a mistake in their recruiting, then that's their fault, the coaches. But as far as ability, I agree with you. Uh, I think a newcomer, I think a kid that didn't play last year, Greg Johnson, is the type of kid that could step up and play. He just needs to get reps. I think and build confidence, and whoever it is. Langley certainly did have a good spring. But I think whoever it is, you've got to show the confidence in them. You mentioned rotate a lot. I'm not real big in rotating uh, as far as in the secondary. I'm real big at letting a guy get as many turns as he can, uh, get better, see if he has the ability to cover, coach him up really good, and build the confidence that he can play. When you rotate players a lot of corner, they seem to have a doubt that you don't have the confidence in them. So I think that you got to find the guy or the one and two and let them really compete for it and, and go with it until he proves he can't do it and let him develop himself into a great cornerback. But as we talked last week and we spoke about the style of defense that Pendergrass runs, you've got to have great corners. I think they'll be fine everywhere, but you've got to be able to cover. You can't give up the big play. And you've got to have shutdown type of corners. And uh, you got to find them. you got to find first-round draft choice corners. If you don't have those type of draft, draft uh, choice players playing your corners, you're not going to be a great defensive football team. So we'll just see what happens. You know, Jack won't be there. So it's time for them to find that person and uh, see if that person can develop into a great cover guy. Um. All right. Well, we'll see kind of what happens there. Uh, I do like the group of corners that USC has. And the biggest thing for me, I want to see this year if they rotate more. Um, be curious to see if that happens. Tark wants to know, Coach, uh, who are some of the players you'd like to see get a shot at kick returner or punt returner? Obviously, no Jack Jones now. Um, but is there any, there's a couple guys that you'd like to see maybe get a, get a shot there. Well, you know, I don't know if it was they didn't understand what they were supposed to do last year, but they always looked confused to me, whether to fair catch it or not to fair catch it or where they were on the field and, and didn't understand the real rules of what they should be following as far as a, a football player, as far as the kicking game is understood. I mean, they catch the ball in the three-yard line or, or do some dumb things that you shouldn't really do, and everybody became very critical of them, and then they started second-guessing themselves and, of course, putting more pressure on the coaches and trying different people back there. Jack Jones fumbled one earlier, I think, in the year. He might have been the best, and he never had another shot at it, I think. But I think, I know, everybody's talking about St. Brown, this kid from um, modern day, and, you know, I, I think uh, a freshman kid can do that, uh, Got to have a little uh, swagger to him. Got to have that little uh, confidence thing where, where he understands the, 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 the fair catch rules and where you are on the field and exactly when it's time to, to be able to catch the football, have great hands, yet be able to visualize what's happening in front of him as far as if I catch this ball, am I going to get smacked or is there something there for me to make something happen? And that's a God-given uh, ability, talent that some kids have some kids just don't have that. It's a feel that you have. Uh, it's a little bit of a swagger, as I mentioned, or a cockiness where you try to challenge the defense. You, you, you don't care if you get hit or not. You're going to get an extra 
yard on a penalty or not, but you're going to make that big play and they know you'll make that big play on them. So they got to be awake. And I don't know who that is, but it shouldn't be a great big tryout type of thing. You know, if a guy's got the swagger to do that as a football coach, I would know who those three guys are, whether they're even a defensive back or whoever that guy is that's got that swagger, got that feel, got that athletic ability, got that burst, can find the open area and take it and go, and also can think mentally and know when to fair catch it or when not to get away from the ball and don't cause something to get worse uh, by by trying to make a big play that isn't going to work. So it's part of finding that type of individual, and when you have a roster like USC has, there's got to be somebody out there that can do that. Now, am I the one to make that decision? I don't know who the players are and who their personal personalities are and so on, but you got to have a guy that's got that burst. Maybe it's this Griffith kid coming in. Maybe it's Stewart. Maybe it's somebody like that. But you got to have a DeAnthony Thomas type of guy, a Jackson type of guy, a guy that's a playmaker, a guy that's dangerous. So they respect that, and uh, I think that's what they got to find. All right, Coach. Um, thanks for that one from Tarek. We have uh, Big Nick uh, writing in. He says, hello, Trojan fans. Ryan and Coach, this is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the Peristyle. So I know, Coach, I, I know, Coach, you are not GM in recruiting, but can you explain – the sudden recent commits of th- three-star players we're getting at USC. Uh, I get if, if we were Oregon State, but shouldn't USC get at least four-star kids, guys with more than five scholarship offers? Are we aiming low, or is this kind of the MO of USC where they load up on three-stars in case the season goes bad? You can keep them, but if the season goes well, USC will dump them for the supermodel five-star. Uh, Coach, what would your policy in recruiting what was your policy in recruiting? Did you go for three stars or always aim for five stars? Fight on from Nick. Well, Nick, my policy was to always get better. That's the number one thing. Uh, I want to get better players than what I already have. Now, sometimes you say, man, that's impossible. But no, you got to work at it. I used to tell my teams when I went recruiting in the spring, okay, guys, get in the weight room. I'm going to go out and find somebody to beat you out. I wanted to know them, let them know that. And if they allowed somebody to come in and beat them out, it's their fault. So my job uh, and responsibility to the football program and the university was to get better. So I always wanted to go out and get better players in every position, and that's what I try to do. Now, in some type of situations, I know the players you're talking about that just recently verbally committed. Uh, we don't know a lot about them, but obviously as a uh, a football coach and your recruiting staff, you obviously like something about these people or you wouldn't offer them a scholarship. I would think that it's very difficult to offer a kid, especially locally, a scholarship and then not offer it or give it to him when it's time to sign him. That isn't going to go over, guys. That doesn't go over very long. And Before long, kids are smart. Kids understand that, hey, that doesn't mean anything, so I'm still going to keep my uh, ears open and, and not. I might verbally commit, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get a scholarship. I think right now most universities are trying to do 80% of their recruiting by the early signing date now. I really believe that. I think that's what it's come to. So they've got to be able, even before their senior year, these teams, they've got to be able to know who they're going to offer because – when you look at the quarterback situation, there's only so many quarterbacks in the country that are great players. And every university has to have a great player. And in today's world, quarterbacks want to play. And if you have two of them, if he isn't the starter, he's going to leave. So you've got to recruit someone that's going to be there and make sure you have at least three or at least two quarterbacks on scholarship. So I think that is basically the situation that USC is in right now. Who wants to come in? and play behind JT Daniels. Well, it's got to be somebody that that's, uh, loves USC. It's got to be somebody that's a good football player, not intimidated, and has great potential, and maybe not be a five-star, but maybe be a great athlete that played somewhere on a bad team that never had an opportunity to, to win much, where a lot of people really respect his abilities. 
And I think this is what right now USC is trying to do. Who can you get to go to USC and be a quarterback? But you got to make sure you get yourself a decent quarterback or somebody who could play. And I think that's what they're doing right now. It's not easy to go out and get yourself a five-star quarterback to come and follow Daniels when they're talking about him possibly starting as a freshman. So then in also other positions, sometimes we don't know what they're thinking about is when they take a a lineman that's maybe a three-star lineman from somewhere that's 6'5", 280, and who knows, you know, kid could go both ways. Kid, kid could be a great uh, offensive tackle. You might be watching him on defense, but he could be a great offensive prospect because you want more tougher kids on the offensive side of the ball that are more athletic. And I really think that if I was a football coach today, I would look to that as far as on when I did my recruiting, was most athletic linemen are now on the defensive side of the football. On the offensive side of the football, you have just basically size, non-athletic kids, big kids to get in the way. So now, you know, I think you look at it, at least I would, is let's look on the defensive side of the football and maybe get some faster, quicker, tougher kids that have played defense, that knows what the mentality of of being tough, and put them on the offensive side of the football. So you bring a little angriness to the offensive side of the football. So we really don't know. I don't know what they're thinking at USC, but I know I'm giving you my opinion of what I would be thinking as far as how am I going to get my offensive line and how are we going to get tougher? I got to get a tougher kids, kids that have played on the defensive line, because if you look anywhere, most of the toughest kids are playing on the defensive line and athletic kids as far as outside and inside, and then bring them in and get them in a position where they can play. So, you know, so it's hard for us to judge three-star players. I try to watch them, and I know a great three-star defensive lineman, maybe that's 6'5", 280 pounds, that runs around pretty good. And, and you say, well, man, if he runs around that good on defense, he might run around pretty good on offense, and maybe we can get them more an athletic with an attitude on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm not saying that this is what they're thinking at USC, but I'm saying this is what I would be thinking at USC, and this is the way I'm trying to justify it. Now, what happens? Who knows? Who knows? We're going to talk with uh, Gerard Martinez, too. Hopefully this week we'll get him on a recruiting podcast because uh, there's been some news. Uh, I think we – did we do one last week? I don't remember. We did one recently in uh, – and so there's been a bunch of USC recruiting news since then. Uh, we got one last topic for you, Coach. It's a voicemail. A little bit of hoops. We'll talk about that real quick. Hey, Ryan, Daniel, Los Angeles. Uh, real quick, shout out to uh, Keeley and uh, Dan Weber. I saw them walking down past Disney Hall from covering the court case. Pretty cool. Um, just real quick, uh, I, I mean this in a good way. Uh, one day, Ryan, you may need to cover – you may need to have a USC basketball recruiting podcast. Which is a good thing. I know this is football, but if this is going to, I know it's still early. You know, if this is going to be the future of USC basketball, bringing in all these five-star players and I can coach them up, get some wins, get some people in the Galen Center, an amazing venue. I've been there when it's been packed. The Galen Center, the acoustics in there, it can get really, really loud. I mean, it's an amazing venue. If they can fill the seats, this can be a turning point in USC basketball, just getting some wins, getting some more recruits over the years. Really looking forward to it. Very excited. Your thoughts, uh, uh, Ryan, Dan Weber, coach on USC's uh, the future of USC basketball. And after all these FBI investigations, this is still amazing that they're able to get uh, five star players coming in here. Great job, Andy Enfield and USC football. Can't wait for the fall. Well, let me put it to you this way: recruiting to USC and recruiting to uh, where I was at UNLV is a whole different type of story. Uh, USC is a, a school as a kid that you grow up and you say, I'd like to go to USC. I'd love to be a Trojan. Uh, uh, when I was doing the pregame show and stuff, I used to watch uh, little babies walk by with their SC hats on and gloves and all these different things. And that kid didn't even realize where he's going to college, but he's already decided. It's that type of, if he can get in, his parents are going to make sure he goes there. Well, it's the same thing in the athletic department that's such a traditional university and if you look at the results of what's going on right now the women's golf team is playing for a national championship the women's soccer team won a national championship i mean 
the tennis team happened to lose the, to to in the, in the semis and tennis. I mean, really, uh, a lot of these sports people don't realize, but they're really good. They're really good. And but everybody cares the most about, and I don't. I care about all sports. Cares the most about football and basketball. Why football pays the bills? Number one, and it's the first sport of the year where everybody wants to come off the summer and kick everybody's butt and have a good time and the weather's still good and basketball follows that and basketball if you've had a great football year all the momentum of football rolls into basketball and everybody wants to go to the gym and celebrate football season and be seen and have a great time and i think usc can have a great basketball program they've, they've won a lot of games recently and they got to continue doing that but you got to do it with players and you got to win the close games i think one thing that you, and I have Andy Enfield on my show, so Andy and I are good friends. I sat with him at the basketball banquet So, and his wife. So he knows I, I, I talked honestly. He knew where I was, and, and so on. I say this to you. You've got to win close games in all sports. You've got to be able to believe you can win. You've got to, your kids have got to believe that they can, they can win, and they can win the close games. And uh, this is something you do with great players because they've won games. But then again, you've got to build the confidence in them with the combination of the right players where they can compete. And, and the only way you can compete and get better is play against great players in practice and uh, have competition in practice. And I think this is what USC is trying to do, and this is what Andy Enfield's trying to do. And he's got his unique style with a lot of kids like to play the run-and-gun type of style. Uh, but you got to put it all together and, and get it done. It's not easy to win. Uh, but it only takes about four or five great players in basketball to win. And in football, it takes many. So I, I, I would love to see the basketball program continue to grow and become the type of program that the Trojans would be proud of. And I'd love to see the Galen Center filled. It is a wonderful arena. It's an easy arena to get into and have fun and enjoy. And I think it's very important to the athlete department that USC basketball wins. I, I think women's basketball now, is going to be uh, on the come. I love their coach. He's been there before. He's a winner. I love to see both the programs really develop to do that, but easily said and hard to do because everybody in the Pac-12 is trying to win, and you know the programs now in the Pac-12 are pretty good. So uh, I think that uh, you got to have great players to win, great coaching, and you got to have luck, and you got to believe in your program, and the kids have got to believe they can win the close game, and that's exactly what they got to be. That's what they're faced with. Yeah, it's uh I'm no basketball expert. It's uh so I'm not really an expert here. I, I don't cover it a lot, but you know, getting a couple of five-star recruits like that, I think it's a big deal. Um I'm always like, you know, I, I know some people get more bullish on it. It's hard. I just haven't seen the USC community rally around the basketball team, you know, for for years and years, even when it gets pretty good. It's like this team would have to be substantially better than it's been and you know, keep it that way for a long period of time to kind of build that up. I don't think having like a good year or two is really enough. So we'll see uh, if this can, you know, turn things around. But uh, getting a couple of five-star dudes certainly, uh, I think, it puts them in the right direction. So we'll see. Uh, I think a lot of people would love to see this basketball team be supported and, and and you know, really be an asset, um, you know, for the entire athletic department and not just, that thing that not a lot of people go to and, you know, they're good sometimes and not good other times. Uh, it should, it definitely should be better than it's been. Um, but this certainly seems like a step in the right direction. It talks about I hoops. agree with you, Ryan. I do. I really agree with you. I think that you have to win for a while for people to believe. And then they, they, it, they put that on their things to do. I really believe that's part of it. You, you got to win. You got to win at anything. Ryan, when, you know, and I'm in Vegas a lot. You know that. The Golden Knights in Vegas. I mean, when the Golden Knights came to Vegas, everybody said, oh, really? Uh, they came to Vegas. And uh, now uh, the Golden Knights, you know, doing what they've done in the Hockey League and now playing for the Stanley Cup. It's the next thing. It hasn't been like that for any sporting team in Las Vegas since Jerry Tarkanian was a basketball coach at UNLV. It's a thing. I mean, they sell out everything. Yeah, everybody is wearing their colors. I mean, uh, the, it's the highest priced ticket uh, anywhere. And they've already sold their season tickets for next year. And I think they doubled the price. So it's an event. And uh, who can stage an event better than Las Vegas as far as, you know, the pregame and all the things that are happening, but that's unbelievable. 
winning solves everything. I keep telling everybody that winning solves everything. Yeah. You can find out through winning that your contributions to the universities are more than ever before. Because people are happy. The alumni are happy. The people have bragging rights. They go to the country club. They're laughing at their buddies. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all part of school tradition that lasts for years and years. Yeah, you can't be, you know, this was a team that was top 10 preseason and didn't make the NCAA tournament. So you can't do stuff like that. That just, that turns a lot more people off. And then next year, if they're like, oh, they're going to be really good, people don't believe you. So they're going to have to just show it on the court and be good and then be good again and then be good again. Like, it's not about, well, these recruits are in place, so everything's going to work out. Like, this is a, whatever reason, the, the basketball team has been snake bit. So it's not about, it looks like it's going to work out. It's like, it has to work out and then it has to work out again and it has to work out again. So you have to get more five stars next year after you win this year, you know, things like that. So that's just my opinion, but we'll see. No, uh, that's right, Ryan. You're in it. You went to USC. You know exactly the feeling of the student body when you were there. Yeah. And it's the same thing now. You've got to, you know, the feeling. Okay. All right. Well, we had to talk a little hoops. We don't do that a whole lot here. Um, oh no! Yeah, that's okay. I don't, I don't mind doing it. I just I'm not now I'm no expert, so I don't want to like claim to be one. Uh, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. We went a little longer today than I thought we'd go, Coach. But uh, there's lots of topics throughout the offseason. A lot of topics, a lot of topics, Ryan, and I love to just uh, talk about them because uh, it's all part of life. Great opportunities for kids out there and uh, us who follow it. it, it it's wonderful. And uh, I want to thank all of the uh, people that uh, send in their questions and all of you that listen to the podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week, right? Sounds good. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Stay tuned this week for a Dan Weber and Keeley, your podcast, more in-depth about the Todd McNair defamation lawsuit against the NCAA, maybe a special guest. They're working on that, too. Um, and I'm Ryan Abraham, your host. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.